0: In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, welcome to worship as beloved people of God. We give thanks to God who illumines our way through life with words of Jesus Christ. And we pray that the Holy Spirit will enlighten us and give us the light that we need. I'm Pastor Mark Hall from United Lutheran Church in Prairie Farm. And one announcement uh, we remember in prayer, the family and loved ones of Marissa Missy Thorin, who died on Tuesday, July 14th. Funeral service for Missy will be on Monday, tomorrow, July 20th at 11 a.m. at the McKeller Park Shelter in Blanchardville, Wisconsin. The service will be live cast by Sather Funeral Service Facebook page. The visitation for Missy Thorin is today at Blanchardville Hall in Blanchardville, Wisconsin. We pray God's comfort for Missy's family and loved ones. As we are now in the season of the church year that focuses on the mission Christ calls us to, empowered by the Holy Spirit given at Pentecost, we join in celebrating the good news of the hope we have in God's promises, that God will liberate us in all creation from the bondage to decay and death, so that we may obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Before we hear our scripture readings, let us begin with the prayer of the day. Faithful God, most merciful judge, you care for your children with firmness and compassion. By your Spirit, nurture us who live in your kingdom, that we may be rooted in the way of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Our first scripture reading for today comes from Romans, the 8th chapter, beginning at verse 18. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God, For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope, that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Here ends the reading. In our gospel reading for today, the parable of Jesus from Matthew 13, I'm reading verses 24 through 30. Jesus put before the crowds another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat, and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slave said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No. For in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first, bind them into bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. This is the gospel of the Lord. In a church I once served, we had a visitor come to worship one Sunday. He was very friendly, introduced himself to me following the service. He said he was new to the community and was eager to get connected with the church. He told me he'd actually served as a pastor when he was younger. I would guess at this point he was in his mid to late 40s. I welcomed him. He returned the following Sunday and was consistently at church in the Following weeks, he became actively involved, especially in the choir. People in the church befriended him, included him in the fellowship. After being in the congregation a few months, he talked to me and expressed an interest in helping with the youth ministry, wanted to know how to get involved with the youth program. I thanked him for his interest and said I would get back to him. Knowing that he had previously served as a pastor of a congregation it made me wonder about his previous ministry, and I sensed it might be wise to check with our bishop in case there was something in his background that would not be a good fit for him being actively involved in a relational ministry like youth ministry. After researching his history, the bishop informed me that his, this, this former pastor had actually been removed from the clergy roster of his denomination and was no longer authorized to serve in a called ministry position. He had had a a boundaries violation in a congregation he served where he was involved inappropriately in relationships with girls from the youth group. I knew immediately that this would exclude him from being a part of any youth ministry in the congregation, and it saddened me. As I thought about this thought about his presence in this congregation where I was serving, and thought about what I was going to say to him when I met with him about his desire to get involved with youth ministry. One of the lines of thought that kept running through my mind was whether he, whether he should not only be barred from being involved with the youth program, but beyond that, the question crossed my mind, did he belong in church at all? It is this beyond that category, this category of belonging that Jesus deals with in the parable we just heard. That judgment of evil, especially when it comes to another person's belonging. Should this former pastor have been pulled from the church, prevented from participating in the fellowship? Life is messy, isn't it? Evil seems to flourish even in good communities, And when we think about all the evil things that seem to have their way in this world, it might lead us to ask, well, why doesn't a good God fix the world and clean up the bad and get rid of the evil? This is a deep and profound question. And thoughtful, faithful people have asked this question for generations now. Jesus tells a parable that is a teaching response to this kind of question. A parable about a struggle between good and evil visualized by good wheat and bad weeds growing in the same place. It turns out the bad weeds are sown by an evil enemy. And when the servants ask the master who has sown the good wheat seed what they should do with the weeds, the parable takes an unexpected turn. The master says, wait. Don't do anything. Leave them alone. Wait until the harvest. There are times when and more times than this example I told of this pastor who violated personal boundaries with youth in the church. There are times when I have wished that God had given me the ability to put people in their place for the evil they've done. Just remove the person, put them out. I can see clearly what is wrong, where people have given it, turn they've taken. But nothing in this parable suggests that this matter of judgment is in my hands. Clearly, the parable tells us that evil will not go unpunished. But when it comes to the community life of God's people, the punishment and the timing of that punishment are in the hands of the master. What am I to do then? The parable counsels patience and waiting. This is not easy to hear. Especially for people of faith who know something about good and bad, good and evil. I know pastors are great at making distinctions like that, and judgments too. I can say that since I'm one of them. In his little book, Illustration of Bible Truth, H.A. Ironside has an illustration pointing out the folly of judging others. He related this incident from some years ago about a bishop, the life of a man named Bishop Potter, who was headed for Europe on a great ocean liner, Upon boarding the ship, he discovered that he was going to share this. After meeting the roommate and putting some of his things away in the cabin, Bishop Potter went to the purser's desk to inquire whether he could. From the appearance of his roommate, he explained he was suspicious of the man's trustworthiness. Accepting the bishop's valuables, the purser replied, It's all right, Bishop. I'll be very glad to take care of them for you. Your, your, Your roommate has just been up here just ahead of you, and asked me to secure his valuables, too. The meaning of the story is that we are all weeds in some way to someone else. It is not the Christian task to uproot and seek to get rid of those whom they perceive to be weeds. This points out the unique call we have as Christ's people not to weed. Even when those people have done wrong, or done you wrong, or me. Jesus' parable provokes us to pause and think again. Life is a messy affair. Weeds and wheat are all mixed up together. You can't separate the good from the bad. They are intertwined in the same church, in the same community, in the same person. When I spoke to that former pastor, I talked directly with him about his boundaries violation with the youth in the former church that he had been a part of. I explained to him that it would not be acceptable for him to work with the youth, but worship God and fellowship with us. The servant said to the master, Do you want us to go and gather the weeds? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both grow together, and harvest time I will tell the reapers. Collect the weeds first and buy them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Remember Jesus' other parable from Matthew about sheep and the goats. The goats didn't know that they were goats, and the sheep didn't know they were sheep until the Lord told them so at the last judgment. And remember those stories of the Pharisees who thought they were so good and the publicans who didn't, have any good thoughts about themselves in the presence of God. All were so shocked and surprised when God looked at things differently, completely differently than they looked at things. Is there anyone whose life is no weeds at all? We taste pure wheat when we come to Holy Communion. It is the body of Christ given for you and me. Think about it. Jesus willingly intermingled his life in the mess in our lives. Jesus willingly put his pure life down in the soil, full of weeds. In his book, New Seeds of Contemplation, the great mystic Thomas Merton, the mysterious hidden holiness of Jesus Christ. For God in Christ emptied himself. He became a man and dwelt among sinners. He was considered a sinner. He was put to death as a blasphemer. God himself was put to death on the cross because he did not measure up to man's expectation and conception of his holiness. Jesus was not holy enough. Jesus was not holy in the right way. In dying on the cross, Jesus showed to God a a complete denial of human ideas of holiness and perfection. Out of love for us and for our world, Jesus identified with our sins, the weeds in our lives, in our world. God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The amazing graceful reality is that the Lord of the harvest is patient, forgiving, forbearing, seeks to nurture in our lives also these fruits of the kingdom, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We are now in the growing season. The wheat is growing, maturing. May the Spirit nurture us to mature in the graceful living of our Lord. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we are in awe of your amazing mercy and grace in our lives as we are humbled by your humble hearts in relationship to those whose evil is so obvious to us. Strengthen our spiritual gifts of patience and self-control, so that we, the temptation of trying to tear out and eliminate whoever we think is a weed, nurture us by the power of your Holy Spirit, that in all things we may be rooted in the grace-filled ways of Jesus Christ our Lord. And we pray today for all people and their needs, for all anywhere who have need this day. We pray for those who are sick, especially those who suffer from coronavirus. We pray for healing, for help, for hope. Be with those who minister to them, all health care workers. Be with families who are unable to be with loved ones at this time because of the virus. And we pray for those who grieve the loss of loved ones. We pray especially for the family and loved ones of Marissa Missy Thorin. Grant them comfort and hope in the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And we remember before you all who have died and gone before us in the faith. Especially those most dear to us who remember in our hearts before you. Bring us at last to that day of reunion. And grant us in the meantime the hope to wait, to wait for what we do not see. Grant us this hope, the hope we have in Christ, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Lord, look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Christ is with you.